Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 28 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're talking about Dolly Parton's A Smoky Mountain Christmas. A Smoky Mountain Christmas was a made-for-TV movie that aired on December 14th, 1986 on ABC. It was written by William Blake and Dolly Parton and directed by A. The Fonz, Henry Winkler. Nice. I didn't know you do the Fonz. Did you like that? I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good, yeah. Nice, very nice. You had to, like, hit hit the jukebox with your hand. I did. I I, I invisibly just, uh, I banged it with my (laughs) elbow and then also with my fist. I gave both taps. Oh, my goodness. Uh, And I also have an office in my bathroom, so. Wow. Well, that's how I roll. You really are the Fonz. (laughs) Well, this one was a real departure for us, you know? I mean, we've mostly been doing movies, and this one is... It's a movie. Like a whole movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's like if yeah. I made a movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, but we both, to be fair, we both watched this. This is a hard movie to find, actually, though you can yes. find it on YouTube. You can find the entire movie on YouTube, but it is like someone camcordered their television mm-hmm. at some point, And that is the version. So there is quality aspects of this. That I think it's the transfer that's available on YouTube, but there are some hysterical special effects that I'm using in air quotes uh, that are employed in that, throughout this movie, which are actually clearly, you know, ABC, before it was a Disney-owned company, did not put the money into Tennessee-based Christmas movies. <laughs> well, for our listeners who haven't seen this Christmas classic, plot was that is a made-for-TV musical fantasy film that part fantasy really threw me for a loop let me tell you it says the beautiful smoky mountains are the backdrop for this poignant drama about the joys of sharing christmas with a family dolly parton stars as lorna davis a singing star overburdened by her career and loneliness taking refuge in a friend's cabin lorna discovers that the place has been appropriated appropriated hilarious by seven parentless kids fleeing their orphanage a real Annie situation. Lorna and the youngsters agree to keep their mutual escape secret, but complications develop thanks to a local witch. Didn't see that coming. And the sheriff. Though Lorna finds a friend in Mountain Dan, she still has to face Judge Benton. <sighs> and fight to keep her new family together. Sparkling with six original songs performed by Dolly Parton, A Smoky Mountain Christmas is a heartwarming story of love and holiday spirit that's ideal for your entire family all year round. Wow, that was a lot. There is a paragraph from the Wikipedia plot description that I need to add to that because it is hysterical. And, and now this could be a little repetitive because you, you covered all of the points that this movie definitely covers. Um, 
I'm joining the middle of the Wikipedia. It goes, little does she know, Lorna has been followed there by Harry, a sleazy and enterprising paparazzo who is determined to reveal her hidden location. In addition to him, she faces Jezebel, a mountain witch woman who is determined to kill her for attracting the eye of her lover, Sheriff John Jensen, the sheriff of the nearby town. She is saved from Jezebel's first attempt on her life by Mountain Dan, a wandering mountain man who is wise to the ways of quote-unquote mountain folk holy crap y'all <laughs> i had no idea a witch was going to be involved in this christmas movie so this was a real real wow for me we haven't had any witches in any of our movies so far no no you know and when i read the fantasy part of the musical christmas film description mm-hmm. i cocked my head to the side and i said that's an interesting choice of words because that's a very specific or it evokes a very specific kind of movie that I wasn't really expecting from old Ms. Parton. And (laughs) man, you know what? Fantasy is exactly the right word to use. Yeah. This is a fantastical little film. It really is. And now, obviously, they really focus on the witch portion when I really wish that they had focused on that. This was like a, you know, some sort of takeoff derivative of Snow White, because that is really what this is. And the the little kiddos really represent our little dwarfs. And, you know, and we have the witch, yes, but... She should just be more this evil, you know, mountain woman. They, it's funny that they made her an actual witch with spells. Like, that was, like, a step further. Well, I think the witch in, in Snow White, I mean, she does a lot of the same tricks that the witch in Snow White does, including she does. D- down to transforming into an old woman. She totally so. does. But the tipping of all the glasses in the bar and stuff like that, that type of, of <laughs> spells, I, I don't mm. remember just the, I, I'm going to call those party tricks. I don't remember there being a lot of party tricks going on in Snow Well, White, yeah, so. I mean, I think clearly she bought the magic starter pack, which she comes did. with basic She's like, went old... to Vegas, yeah. got the fake like fingertip and like all the little strings. It yeah. comes it comes with basic old woman transformation kit. Obviously. It, it comes with uh bend all of the bottles at the same time and then allow you to smash them all at once. It comes with a wind machine that mm-hmm. follows you very importantly, mm-hmm. not only for the blowing effect of your cloak but also so you hear it like there's as if a jet engine <laughs> is following her or it's underneath her effect. skirt it's part of the effect i mean she got the real and the crazy hair well you know what though okay so i don't know how much you know about country music and i don't know how much it permeates your world up there but i live in texas and dolly parton is a big thing down here and i thought jezebel was super reminiscent of loretta lynn mm. and i was like girl is are we casting shade or what I, I totally see that. And I, you know, Dolly's got a sense of humor about her. She does. She totally does. She's She's got a smirk and a sass about her. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't think I'm wrong in saying that you are a Dolly Parton fan. I believe that to be oh, true. Oh, God. Yes. I don't know very many people who are not Dolly Parton fans. Fair, fair. Fair. She's a very I mean, likable woman. Great. I mean, she's also one of the reasons that we are on the other side of the COVID-19 pandemic, too, mm-hmm. which cannot be overstated. Like, this, this 
woman donated enough money to help, you know, uh, jumpstart vaccine research in part. So that's pretty impressive. She's amazing. I always, as a teacher, I always thought she was such a fantastic person because within Tennessee, she um, has a program that mails out a book a month for kids zero to five. So that by the time you're five years old, you should have like a 60 book library for each of your kids. That's pretty amazing in an area that has such terrible literacy rates. It, I was like, go you, Dolly Parton. It's all free. You just have to sign up for it. I mean, just, and just the way that she's contributed back to Tennessee. Yeah, through Dollywood, the programs that they run, the, just the uh, income that they bring to that area, which Ooh, is... Jobs. Yeah. I mean, I mean she has really... Put on her back an entire town economy or, you know, a community's economy. Yeah, really remarkable woman. And, you know, not for nothing, when she opens up her mouth and sings, it literally brings a peace and calm over me. There are Uh. few people who have that effect, whose voice I just find so comforting and soothing. Just Uh, pretty much me and Dolly. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, you're, you're, your hair is not as big as Dolly's, but you guys do have some similar color. Yeah, but qualities. I but I envy her hair. Her hair I is strong. No, you do. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's good stuff. You know what the uh, Jet fan could not blow? Dolly Parton's hair. Dolly's hair. No, yeah, it, dang. Yeah. She wears wigs everywhere she goes, and she is proud of it. I, I, she's amazing. I don't know if you just saw, but she just put on this entire like she's seventy five. She put on her Playboy bunny suit and like recreated the cover for husband's birthday. Yeah, from she like seventy eight, seventy seven, seventy eight, something like that. Oh, yeah. Amazing, yeah. and I am completely wowed. She's just so. Fantastic. I remember watching Nine to Five with my sisters and my parents when I was very young. It was a VHS movie we had. It was a movie I saw on like the bootleg HBO that we had. And I remember she is a standout for me. I actually really like Nine to Five. But I remember even then being so like taken by her. Her charisma mm-hmm. you know she she is a classic sass mouth where everything is said with a wink and a smile and like a kind of like a sarcastic twinge to it mm-hmm. but but she can she can moderate it on like uh, like a hair's breadth of you know sarcasm and shade and sincerity and endearing. She has this uh, this quote where she says that you know she's got a brain under all that hair and a big heart under those big boobs, and I think that that package is exactly what you're talking about. It's like yeah. she's so charming and so like electric, yeah. but then at the same time you feel like you could just like noozle up to her and she would be so kind to you. You could trust her. You could trust her and. You know what? Like she would trust you. She would she strikes me as someone who approaches people with an open hand. She'll close it and then she will punch you if you cross her. <laughs> right. Like she's not afraid to do that, but that doesn't it she seems like the kind of person who doesn't approach situations like that even though lord knows I'm sure she has come across in, you know in her lifetime and and especially in her very very long career in the music business a lesser person would have been jaded beyond recognition by this point. And yet I mean she's still making Christmas specials like every year. It's yeah. it's wild. I mean, yeah. God bless her. She's a national treasure. 
So Dolly plays Lorna Davis in this one, and she is basically kind of a version of herself For in sure. a way. I mean, mm-hmm. she is a country music star in the in the movie, and she's tired out. You know, she's tired of people not listening to her, and she needs to kind of like take off. That whole premise was fine by me. It worked. I mean, they did a good job of showing the behind the scenes of like just being so sick of everybody. I thought it was hysterical. A little trivia that Paula Abdul choreographed the dancers for her little um, music video there. So that was super funny. That's very funny. I know. For our little childhood, I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I mean, we're just a year. We're just two years away from uh, Cold Hearted Snake, which uh, you and I have talked about was a formative music video in young Michael's life. <laughs> and it's so. a family friendly podcast, too. Yeah, well, that's all I'm going to say is I phrased it for a reason. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, did you did you feel like this was I mean, obviously, it's Dolly's story. So it's yes. kind of, it sounds a little silly for me to be like, was this good casting, Mike? What do you think? But did you appreciate that she was playing someone so close to her own story? I did. Story? I did. And, you know, this is actually her acting debut for a television movie. Obviously, she had done movies. She had done 9 to 5 prior to this. But this was like her first television movie. And it was clearly Christmas special, which just based on her career, Christmas is a big thing to her. So I actually found this whole thing very personal to her. In anyone else's hands, or maybe almost everyone else's hands, I would have found so much of this movie unwatchably hokey. But mm-hmm. I found it so gosh darn endearing, even when she's doing the voiceovers and she's talking about Mary Lou and how mm-hmm. they've been friends and, you know, like getting it up to trouble, like y'all going to get up trouble tonight, you know, like <laughs> all of that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, borrowing her car and going, around. I wish we got to meet Mary Lou. I was so invested in that friendship. I wish we got <laughs> to meet Mary Lou. I just found it very sweet. The the down homeness of it all from the journaling voiceovers to the swipes to commercial where like they put like a little picture and like a photo album yeah, and like then it was would, a scrapbook like a scrapbook memories. right of, like, right this is like her remembering remembering and sharing with us a story if, as if we were gathered around like a fireplace with her guitar she is the only person that I feel comfortable that could tell a story where you're talking about things like using a quilt to curtain off like a little section of the room for the little girl. Moments like that felt very like this is taken from her own life, I feel like, or at least stories from, you know, maybe one of her other siblings or something. But there was still that feel of like, we may feel like, oh, come on now, you know, this is this is kind of silly Like they're really making these kids look like these little street urchin kind of children. But no, I mean, knowing her backstory and knowing the poverty she came from it didn't feel uh like they were trying to take it too far like these kids seemed real dolly rebecca parton was born january 19th 1946 in a one-room cabin on the banks of the little pigeon river in Pittman center tennessee if you don't feel that in lorna davis and the way she goes about telling her story the way she goes about interacting with the kids in this little cabin and 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 having like this secret the throwing the curtain over i mean they're talking about important stuff that all little girls have to go through and and confront at some point in their life and she handles it so beautifully and wonderfully and this movie never loses sight of the fact that it is a family film. Uh, even in the scary parts or the mm. the truly like crazy parts, I was going to use a, a bad word, uh, you know, even the bonkers parts of this movie, this is always very much a Dolly Parton sensibilities, family friendly film. 
I appreciate that you used the word like sensibilities because I because you could totally take it to like sensible as well. Meaning like there was parts like when they were talking about if Dolly could really adopt them all. And she's like, I really want to do this, but I don't want us all to get our hopes up. Like it kept it like a little bit like one Grounded. pinky toe, just one pinky toe, though, on the ground. That's all you need, <laughs> because, though, right? Right. Which I appreciated that, though, because, you know, again, this is a fantasy film. So there's parts to it that are more... I don't want to use the word silly or any of that kind of stuff, but but uh, further, I guess, yeah, like like obviously this doesn't happen in real life, but it's okay because somehow Dolly can bring that magic. She can bridge the gap where she can be having an honest conversation uh, with the little girl and throwing the blanket over and telling her about her own time that she came in her life where she needed to have a separate room from her brothers and from the men in the house into singing a song about it and and lord the music in this movie i i'm such a fan of all seven songs in this movie that she performs uh but you know she goes into pretty is as pretty is as pretty does at that point and then it's not too much longer like she's eating a poison pie by an evil witch i mean it it takes a dolly parton to keep all of that like uh, together it takes a dolly parton kind of glue and tape to keep that together where Yes. I mean, is this high cinema? No. Is this a family film that you could sit all of your kids down on the couch, grandma and grandpa too, all at once, and never worry about if it's going to be too much for any person? You absolutely can. That's hard to find, especially in 2021. It's hard to find. And that's something you and I have talked about in this podcast. We've covered a bunch of Christmas movies on this podcast, Caroline, that we couldn't watch with our kids. Certainly not with our parents. (laughs) <laughs> very true very true i mean and i think that we also have watched ones where we have said i don't know if there's enough going on in this that would keep kids interested these days and this one by adding the 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 wacky witch element i think that you could actually keep kids a little bit older than you would have thought for the movie just because it has this little element of like there's this witch in the woods and like what in the world is she up to i i i think that that was good i think it was very intentional to be able to keep a little bit a little bit older kid still invested oh for sure and you also have lee majors playing a manly man in mountain dan oh my gosh was he not just like rip's grandpa from from yellowstone i was like the the bloodline is strong i know ye yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And but like, again, like you get your 11, 12 year old boy who is going to otherwise trying to roll their eyes hard at Dolly singing on the porch with her guitar. You know, they get to the Mountain Dan portion and they're they're going to sit forward. They get to you get to like the evil Sheriff John and how gross he is mm. and handsy. Like, mm. you know, a, a kid a, like a, a preteen is going to sit forward and be like, oh, OK, what's happening here? Um, Can I just like highlight the moment when Sheriff is talking to Dolly and she drives the truck away and he like smacks the back of the truck as if it's like someone's behind. It was so gross. I was like, this sheriff is gross. Yeah. When he said, what is the line that he says? He goes, uh, it's in my notes here somewhere. I'm looking for it. 
Oh, I just wrote down that Sheriff John is a handsy bastard. Gross. But he says something like, you know, like, I like when you fight or something like that. Ew. It was really yeah. gross. And again, that would go so, over the head of a lot of kids. But the kids, the kids who are old enough to hear that line are going to hear that line. And they're going to be like, oh, they're going to ball their little tiny kid fist. And they're going to be like, Sheriff John, you got Mount Dan coming for you. You know, and it, yeah, so there's a lot going on here. And it's it's I think you're right. It's it's appealing to a lot of different audiences. Because again, think you've got mom, dad, three different kids on the couch, all different ages, young. We're not talking no 17 year olds, you know, uh, who are ready to overthrow the government, but like, you know, five, eight and like 11 on the couch and grandma, grandpa in their rocking chair. All that whole family unit can all watch this movie. And I feel like Dolly Parton and her crew made this movie specifically with that kind of thing in mind. Well, it's a made for TV movie, too, so. I even appreciated the character of Harry, the, the, you know, the reporter who's like, you know, tailing her. I feel like there's that part too that kind of gives you a little like, uh, remind me a little cloak of cloak and daggery mm. of sort of the same era of like having this guy kind of trailing and, and it, it gives you a little bit more suspense too, a little bit more of like, Oh, is he going to find her? Oh, what's he going to do that? That just, it amped it up a little bit from just being like super duper sweet. I was super happy to see Harry and, and and watching his arc, right, from how he starts in the movie to how he ends up, you know, calling himself like Uncle Harry kind of thing at the end of the movie. But Dan Hadaya, huh, I love that guy. I mean, I I, even with the beard, he's just got a voice and he's got this complexion and a face, a, a bone structure in his cheeks. I was like, that's the dad from Clueless and mm-hmm. that's the bad husband from the First Wives Club. I was so excited to see him in this like early role. It was fantastic. It was funny to see it right after we had just done um the family stone with Dan- Diane Keaton because that that first mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. wives club vibe was like in the air for me uh so funny there were a bunch of connections actually to some other christmas podcast so this is actually the second time that lee majors has appeared in this podcast uh you may recall he is actually in the opening scene of bill murray's scrooged he is the one who goes oh, with the machine yeah. gun uh, yeah. and mows down the terrorists that are trying to kill Santa and Mrs. Claus in the opening scene <laughs> of Scrooged. That's funny. Playing Lee Majors as himself. So very funny. And then there's another Lee Majors connection to another podcast episode that we've done on this Christmas podcast, Caroline. What? Lee, as a young man, was on The Big Valley, a show that ran in like the mid 60s for four or five seasons. Last week's star from A Christmas in Connecticut, Barbara Stanwyck, is the matriarch in the family on The Big Valley. <laughs> Crazy. So there's a Barbara Stanwyck, Lee Majors, The Big Valley, 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast connection. So it was wow. funny having just covered that. Uh, it was very fresh in my mind when I saw that. So <laughs> uh, uh, did, did you watch uh, Six Million Dollar Man or The Fall Guy growing up or in repeats? Was that like in your house? Uh, it was for some people. I mean, we're of the last generation maybe that would have seen any of those shows or really have an I idea. I was of aware of them and I was aware of The Fall Guy like just generally. But nah, it was that was a little bit too old for me. Uh, I, I definitely, I feel like my grandmother watched The Fall Guy. I feel like that was a show on, but The Six Million Dollar Man was definitely the more culturally impactful yes. show. Yes. Uh, yes. And it's one of those things where people quote it and never having, you know, seen it. Like, we could build them faster, stronger, blah, blah, blah. Right, exactly. You know, that kind of yes. thing. So, yes. classic. Very classic. pop culture. Very pop culture <laughs> 
So, you know who I was happy to see and like also get me to put a little tear in my eye was to see John Ritter on the screen as oh. the judge. I was like, John Ritter, I wasn't expecting to see you. And there he was. As a statement, John Ritter is always wonderful. He is always entertaining. Even when he's playing a, a cad, like in Three's Company, or, you know, a, a doofus, you know, or just something like kind of sweet or disinterested, like he's playing the judge in this movie, he's always a treat and he's always good. He is money in the bank reliable. I loved this last section of the movie and it was only like five minutes, but it was, it, it really tied the whole thing up and really put a lot of the Christmas magic into this movie, I thought. It did. It did. I mean, I, we're going to get into whether this is a Christmas movie and all, but I, I did think that there was a lot of elements here where they were very particular to the time. Yes, very much so. I mean, but just his whole, uh, the the judge's whole vibe in that scene from making the sheriff sit down and he's like, watch kids, he's going to do it. Oh, watch, he's going to do it. You know, and then the, yeah. kid, the kids outburst about wanting to go live with Lorna. And he says, uh, I wasn't asking you guys, but the quote is, I think it's real Christmassy, y'all, that you feel that way. And oh. it was so funny I mean, because he's like, he's not shaved. Like he's, he says, he's like, you woke me up in the middle of the oh, yeah, night. He's wearing his undershirt, yeah. with, uh, like under his robe. You can see it. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to dispense some common sense justice here in Tennessee. <laughs> and, and everyone's going to go home to their Christmas dinners and it's going to be okay. And I can maybe get some more sleep. So the judge is just doing his judge thing. And we learned Dan is a lawyer. What? <laughs> like he's a lawyer left the city to become a mountain man and learn about the mountain folk. Hey, uh, he's really good at tying knots. I don't know. I mean, I think he's being pretty successful at his second I, career. I think Caroline wants to see his legal briefs, if you know what I, I mean. I like Mountain oh. Dan. <laughs> I was about that that million dollar man. <laughs> Did you bring your legal briefs uh, to no. court? Mountain no. Dan. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, uh, uh, so very happy to see John Ritter. Same as you, a little tear to my eye. I don't know if this person has that same kind of connection to you, but I am a huge fan of Rene Abergenois, who -hmm. passed away two years ago. Yeah, Uh, I recognized him from Benson. Benson, obviously, and he was Odo for years in Star Trek. Um, And he... He, I love him every time I see him come up in a show, old or new. I, I during the pandemic, especially, I rewatched uh, the seven seasons of Deep Space Nine often. Star Trek was one of the shows. All of the Star Trek shows were the shows that I watched on repeat. I mean, I, I very much a big fan of his. He had such a kind heart. He up until up until when he passed away, he was going to cons, and I don't know if you ever had the pleasure of meeting him in a con. Uh, I've stood in line. I've gotten his autograph. Uh, you know, Tom and I, a couple of cons we went to, he had such a reputation and I got to witness it for myself. Just the kindest, sweetest man to his fans always took the time to, to write an autograph, a personalized note, taking a selfie. Yeah. Just a wonderful person. Uh, the world was a worse off place when he passed away. So seeing him and John Ritter, John Ritter like bookends, right? So we get Renee in the beginning of the movie, and then we get uh, John Ritter at the end of the movie. It was like, oh, you guys are killing me here with the heartstring pulling. <laughs> It was sweet. And I think, you know, it, it brought me back to my childhood in terms of just like, who are the familiar faces on TV? Mm-hmm. And and that was very sweet. And I was actually talking to a friend who worked at a video store back when it would have been, 
late 90s. And I was like, do you remember this movie? And he was saying, yeah, I, I actually do. People really rented that movie a lot around Christmas time. And it was just like a grocery store, video store. So it was like one of those things. But the fact that it was there and it was frequently rented at the, at the Christmas time, I was like, wow, okay, this is this hit people more than we even realize. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And especially for a movie that was made hard to find. So it airs in 1986 on ABC because it's a made-for-TV movie. And it's, it's released on VHS on 1992. And that that's it. Uh, the, there are DVDs you could buy out there. This movie was never officially released on DVD, uh, which is funny because you could go to Amazon and buy, quote unquote, DVDs of this movie. I'm very curious what shows up in the mail. But yeah, it was released on VHS and that's it. Like they never even did the soundtrack. They never I, I wrote Dolly Parton on Twitter today <laughs> asking her if she could maybe release like a little EP, like an extended play of just the seven songs from this movie. Uh, yeah, wow. it's wild to me <laughs> that this has not gotten more media because Dolly's huge and she still does so much Christmas stuff. So yes. I wonder, I wonder what the issue is there. She has to have some ownership over it though. She was one of the co-writers of the movie. I, maybe unless I ABC, would hope she does. unless ABC really kind of screwed her. So I can't understand why this movie hasn't been done with more. Did you have a favorite song of these songs? Oh man. I really liked pretty is as pretty does. I really liked, uh, all Wrapped Up in You, which is like the end song. I liked Mountain Magic and Country Memories. The only one I didn't... You're like reading them all. <laughs> yeah. So so Look on the Bright Side was okay. Christmas with Santa was just your typical Santa song. It was actually the only one she didn't write from the thing. Mm. Um, and A Smoky Mountain Christmas was okay too. So I'm going to go with Pretty As This Pretty Does. And yeah, that was my favorite one from the movie. Also, which has a mirror mirror on the wall lyric in it, which again, tying in the Snow White connection, oddly enough. Yeah. Well, not, yeah, she she committed to the bit. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. I guess it's, I, I say odd insofar as it's odd that this movie ha has a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs adaptation element to it. Uh, but obviously having that lyric written for this movie, clearly she was thinking about it. So Yeah. Yeah. No, without a doubt. That was, that was the... That was the story she was telling here. So I, I'm going with All Wrapped Up in You. I thought that that was, was a sweet song to, to end the, the show with. Always, I'm kind of always sucked into the whatever the last song is, it seems. Right. And we got a whole, with you. and we, well, we got the Christmas morning montage as that song is playing. Mm -hmm, and anytime yes. you get a montage, a well done I, montage. You know, I wrote that in my notes. Gotta have a montage. We one of the points that you and I both agreed on in the Family Stone that we both uh, uh, both agreed without any discussion was a great scene was when they do the Christmas Eve montage over Judy Garland's uh, uh, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." Is that what she's singing in the Family yep. Stone? Yeah. Yep. So again, montage, especially in a Christmas movie, money in the bank. It works. You should people. definitely it do works. it. <laughs> you, should, you should definitely do it. It's isn't it crazy to you? You can't find these recorded songs on Spotify. I went looking. Like Dolly Parton has a robust track record of there recording has music. There to be something up with that. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Must be questionable. It must be. Stuff. It so must be. Let's let's hope that Dolly writes back to you and gives you some clarification. I hope so. I got. I want to have. So I want to have open lines of communication with Ms. Parton. You really should. It's I, the best. We all way, should. Really. We all should. Really. No, I feel. 
they do, really, to be honest with you. Seven little Muppets in this movie, all of varying ages, all of varying acting degrees. I don't want to talk about them one by one. As a group, as a motley crew uh, of assembled orphans, what did you think of the kid acting in this movie? What did you think of their contribution to the movie? Because a lot of the story rests upon their shoulders. Oh, I mean, they weren't Disney-fied in the way that they, they weren't like the totally animated Muppety, like, oh, hello. Like, they weren't like over the top. Um, you know, I did recognize some of the kids from other shows. So I was like, that's funny. Again, just sort of like a little blast from the past. Uh, but generally, I mean, I think they did they did their job. I don't think that they were standouts exactly. I just think that they, they did the part that they needed to do. And, and they weren't overly hammy. In my mm. opinion, yeah, I really dislike that the most. Yes, uh, there was a there was a, a again, and this is my feeling about this whole movie, and I feel like the kids imbibed this well, especially the littlest Muppet of them all, Mary the Orphan. Mm. I mean, she gets the two banger Christmas movie lines in this movie. She's the angel, she says, <laughs> as they cut to commercial, watching Dolly sleep yes. in the bed, and then she gives us the "Thank you, God, for making us a family again." That closes out. It's like the last line before the whole cast says. Merry Christmas at the end of the movie. Come on, Mary the it's Muppet. Sweet. It's I mean, very it's sweet. sweet. I, you know, I mean, it, it's it's Hallmark movie sweet, without a doubt. Yeah, but the dolliness of it, though, I think elevates it above your typical it, Hallmark it movie. It absolutely does, and that will be reflected in my Jingle Bell rating. <sighs> you better believe it's going to be <laughs> It's going to be reflected in my Jingle Bell rating. <laughs> okay, let's get to the super simple section here of Is This a Christmas Movie? I'm going to go first and say, yes, this is a Christmas movie. The Christmas portion of it was very important, especially the little, the little bits of how they get the kids out of the orphanage. Very important that we have the Christmas element. But in addition, we have all the Christmas music and we've got lots of little parts going on that I think only can happen at Christmas time. People are only willing to have this little, like the judge having the little moment of like Christmas magic. Like this is just the Christmas time spirit, like in a movie format. Yes. This is an adrenaline shot of Christmas sentimentality from through and through from and 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 in a roundabout way even from the opening of the movie where i mean i was kind of rocking along to the opening song that dolly is working out to like i was you know i was taking my notes i was still getting myself set up when i had press play but i was bopping my head i was into it and then you get up and then you know she's kind of like she's not storming off the set I, dolly parton doesn't storm off of sets but she's had enough kind of like the capitalism of it all and she's looking to get away and get back to like simpler times and simpler roots We've seen countless Christmas. This is a Christmas movie theme. The the rejection of capitalism, unbridled yeah. capitalism, at, at especially at the holiday times. And wanting to get back to something more simple and something just more authentic. And that that is 100% reflected in this. Going home. The I mean, she doesn't, she's not going home to her family. She's going home to hide. But she's going home to her home. You know, right, she's going home to the, to the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee uh, to, to get away from it all. I don't know that you could get more Christmassy than heeding the call to return to family and from whence you came. That is, that's like right out of the Christmas movie playbook. And this movie is doing it. Has magic. A magic is established very early in this movie. Now, it's not, the magic isn't used for Christmassy purposes. It's used for Disney trademark infringement purposes. 
but it creates a world in which miracles can happen was yeah, my thought where absolutely. where when the judge decides to grant on a bleary Christmas Day morning, custody to this woman that he doesn't know. And, yeah, and has and not vetted in any way. <laughs> other than, you're rich and famous, so okay. Yeah, so here, you, I'll give you seven kids. Uh, and you have the mountain man, mountain man Dan, vouching for you, who who is a lawyer, apparently not disbarred, just doesn't paying his dues. And has only known uh, Lorna for like 30 seconds. But, but vouches for her. Vouchers for her. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, the Christmas miracle in this of it all, it's not unlike the courtroom scene in Miracle on 34th Street, right? That's not how that case would actually play out in reality. You wouldn't even be there. No, they, no one would be putting whether or not Santa Claus, Chris Kringle is is really Santa Claus on trial. A courtroom scene in a Christmas movie is a prime chance for you to hammer home that this is a christmas movie and i think this movie is wise to save it to the very end and just remind you hey if you haven't realized it this is a gosh darn christmas (laughs) movie your heartstrings are being pulled look down look down at your heart everyone look down right now does your heartstrings being pulled (laughs) i was trying to think of when i would watch this movie exactly and i think it would be after i watched like bad moms and i was i was having like one of those type of type of moments where i was feeling maybe a little underappreciated or like this was all just like too much work or whatever but you've like wrapped the presents and so you've already watched like one of our other christmas movies during that portion this is a time when everything's done and you're maybe having a glass of wine or or a little you know a glass of whiskey or something like that and you're sitting there and you're just chilling right like like a lot of the rushing around is done mm-hmm. and you're just kind of mellowing out there for a moment and that's what this the music and the the feel the vibe of this whole show really did for me this movie made me feel like i had just eaten a big meal it had a really post thanksgiving meal vibe to it i wanted to go relax on the couch i maybe have a fireplace going or some kind of heat source it's a chilly night otherwise source well i mean i live in an apartment (laughs) i don't have a fireplace but you know maybe maybe i have my fan blowing warm air on me you know it's like a chilly night i'm you know maybe i've got a blanket on me my belly is super big and super full and i just want to relax that's like the time i'm gonna watch this movie okay i like that i like it like you know thanksgiving eve ning uh, post eating, yeah, yeah post evening. If you're if you're not, like if you're not looking to watch the football game, maybe you're throwing yeah. on a Smoky Mountain Christmas. I love that. Uh, there are some other things I liked about this movie that weren't particularly Christmassy uh, because we don't see this often. I liked how Dolly and everyone else, including Dan and including the judge, treated the kids as like humans and mm. didn't like talk down to them. I found I found her very respectful and I don't want to say indulging, but I mean, she is a adult woman. She knows something is not right with these right. seven kids who don't look anything <laughs> alike each other, hanging out in a cabin alone. Right. But but she doesn't call them on it. She respects their wishes. She always takes the time to listen to them. And they never talk down to the kids. And I really appreciate that because you don't get that a lot. And I think that's a problem because I think when you talk down to kids, you're just priming that kid to grow up to be someone who talks down to other people. Um, Mm. So I really appreciated, especially Dan, especially Lorna. I'm sorry, Mountain Man Dan and Lorna. I know, I know, I know that's that's doing it for you. So um, I, I, I liked how they treated the kids like humans not as adults but with like opinions that deserve to be heard and including the yeah. judge including the judge when he says i respect that and i like how christmasy you're all being he actually reminded me of ted lasso in that scene 
Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. Uh, you know, but again, he doesn't say, like, shut up, kids. Like, how many movies have we watched where the adult would be like, shut up, kids? But no, they don't do that in this movie. Yeah, I I mean, Dolly was very respectful to all of them and, like, trying to listen to them and also, you know, help them along, but in a way that wasn't, like, let me come in here and, and, and just, like, take over. She really just was, like, sitting with them and, like, absorbing what was going on in the situation. Like, nice little, like, you know, role modeling for adults. She is. And, and again, with the, the blanket scene, there's the mm. scene where the little Muppet uh, gets the bad vibe on the sheriff, and she says, mm. I don't like him. And Dolly has, Dolly has the best and this movie is very funny too which is something funny in at least according to my sense of humor sensibilities i found this movie i, ch- I chuckled a bunch of this movie <laughs> she says you shouldn't not like people but if you're gonna he's the one not to like that is a smart <laughs> thing to say to kids and that is a right? great way to handle that lesson you know i love it I love it dolly's always got some some bit of advice something you can just like grow on another dollyism and it's christmasy related it's the scene with it's the scene with the with the blanket the girl is is you know she's sad that she doesn't have a dress right she's feeling her femininity yes. her young budding femininity and and dolly says to her it's not the wrapping that matters. It's what's inside. And she's using wrapping there, meaning the dress. But what a great little Christmas connection to to just the phrasing of it. Really, I, I really enjoyed this movie, Caroline. I'm, I'm throwing my hands around. <laughs> I'm doing lots of hand gesticulating. I'm just like, forget about it. I love this movie. You know, I we don't have very much trivia on this one. But I do, I do want to point out that this was Henry Winkler's directing debut. And, you know, I, I don't know. It seemed like, obviously, we don't have a budget on this one but it seemed not meager. much <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know not unlike uh the smoky mountain christmas it seemed lean to say the least but you know i still think that they did a lot with with trying to make it seem like something there were some camera angles there was some action they were trying to do here which you could tell they were just trying to do on this little tiny little space that they were working with so yay for henry winkler i've met henry winkler twice again in in press events so it's not like we've had dinner together but Mm. i've watched him interact with fans i've watched him interact with people i've heard him speak he is the sweetest human being ever i was at a con i was walking through a floor room and he was in an autograph booth and there was a guy in line he was still about two people behind where henry wink like behind the desk so he hadn't gotten up to him yet but he was wearing a giant shark costume you know, Henry Winkler and the Fonz, you know, the, uh, the phrase jump the shark mm-hmm. created, you know, by Happy Days and, and the Fonz jumping over the, the, the tank of sharks. But literally the shark. Yeah. And I, so I had taken a picture of it and I posted it on social media and something along the lines of finally the Fonz and the shark are going to have it out with each other. And he liked it within like two hours of me posting it like he liked it and retweeted it and i think maybe even made like a comment like a like a the funny like 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 appreciating it it's like oh. you didn't have to do that you know do you remember that show that was on with him and george foreman and um uh, oh my gosh terry bradshaw the who you are like the where they went into their past no, it's like where they road trip together. They're like in an RV and they go, they just like travel and they do all these little adventures. One of the things that was really interesting was that they would get stopped by fans a lot. And William Shatner was one of them. Henry Winkler, without fail, would always sign everything, greet everyone and take the time out. 
uh, Shatner would walk on. Like, he would be like, no, mm mm. And he just, like, wouldn't do it. And I have met Shatner <laughs> face to face, and uh, there was, like, a VIP thing. And so we were, like, chatting behind, like, actually behind, like, a stage. He was, like, only interested if you paid money. And Winkler was like, no way. Like, anyone who walks up to me, anyone who wants to interact with me, I'm super happy to do that. So I think that that vibe was clearly on the set. Like, Henry Winkler plus Dolly Parton equals, like, like the most sweet and just generous set I could possibly imagine. The show was called Better Late Than Never. There you go. They're traveling all over together. Their whole vibe comes through, I think, in waves in this. Just they to, just to do more stuff together, the two of them. Winkler and Parton. Right, they're both still working. Henry yeah. Winkler has had like a whole third, fourth, and fifth career. I mean, yeah. if you guys haven't watched, go watch Barry, uh, the HBO yes. comedy. It's hysterical. And, and Henry Winkler kills in it. I mean, he's just so gosh darn funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I watched. I was at I was at Awesome Con. I don't remember what co- convention I was at, and he was giving a talk, and they had his name spelled wrong on like the projection behind him. Oh. I was like, "This is Henry Winkler, and it's not oh. a hard name. How do you have his name spelled?" And he notices it about three quarters of the way through. Some reason he had turned around. He's like, "Wow, I figured after all the time I'm in the business, like they'd get my name right." Like he totally, <laughs> he was totally like you know humble about it. It was very oh. sweet. The guy just yeah, he's everyone's grandpa. I don't even know if he is a grandpa, but he has a real grandpa vibe about him that I love. He does. He absolutely does. Well, are you ready for some jingle bell ratings? Uh, I am. Uh, right now, you're going to hear me sing our clue <gasps> for next week's movie while you think about your Jingle Bell rating for this. Holy cow. This I didn't, is a first, um, I didn't. I didn't have time to pull a clip for it, but the there's a song in it, which is, uh, I mean, it's the clip I would have played. So Wow. Okay. I'm ready. I'm dreaming of a wine Christmas. Are you saying wine? White Christmas. (laughs) Because I'm like, wait, is that a clue? Is it a wine-related movie? White (laughs) Christmas. Is it White Christmas? It's not. We've already done White Christmas. What could it be then? Uh, 1942's Holiday Inn, which is actually, it's actually Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn from 1942. That's actually where Irving Berlin writes White Christmas. That's the movie he writes White Christmas for. And that's the movie where Bing Crosby actually first performs it and they win the oscar for best original song that year it's then that they go and make white christmas what 12 13 years later where it's named erling berlin's white christmas and then bing crosby sings it again but holiday inn is the actual movie where that song was first performed wow well this will be exciting i'm, I'm happy to compare those two movies and we're see going what we back think. in time i so. love it okay so you are up for jingle ball ratings i went first last time all right, give me a second here because I was singing, so I wasn't actually thinking about my jingle bell. Writing. Oh, mm. hey, you know what? We didn't even do a Caroline and Mike rewrite, and that says a lot about this movie. Honestly, we didn't even try to rewrite it. We didn't try to say what would be better. We didn't try to pick this one apart. This one was just, you know, it feels. It does feel like I. I appreciate your after Thanksgiving kickoff the Christmas holidays with like a big piece of pie and Dolly Parton. That feels right. It, it, I, I agree. It feels I mean, calm. Yes. It. It. Yes. Very. It's very. 
this movie is not flashy. This movie is not. Oh, no, don't be saying this and just get to your Jingle Bell rating because then you can give all that. All right. Um, man, I'm going to go ridiculously high on this one. <laughs> I know my rating. Do you want me to go first? I'm, I'm going to give this one eight and a half Jingle Bells. Nice. Okay. And I, might, and I might actually re- end up revising this higher, uh, depending wow. on how okay, things go. Let's hear it. This movie is everything, especially coming off the last few weeks, and that may be affecting this. I may be, I may be overly taking to this because we've finished Christmas in Connecticut, The Family Stone, uh, you know, back to back, and and Jack Frost, which I actually gave a high rating, but was a much more jaded Christmas movie. This was just sweet. It was comforting. This felt like a warm pair of like worn in slippers and a robe. Everything about this movie made me just feel at peace and calm and really open to just being in a good mood and feeling light of spirit and full of joy. And I just liked it. And it has so many problems. And it is I it is not a good movie. It is a great Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Even to the even to the little thing. Going think back to the bar before Jezebel, the witchy woman, comes in and smashes all the things. Think about Frankie, the under sheriff, who talking about his red and green Christmas lights that he wants to put the gels on the racks of lights so that there's like you know green and red and green Christmas lights for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. They do that at the end of the movie. When the cops are coming, <laughs> the the gel is like red and green. I love that. That was such a silly little touch. I didn't need to do mm-hmm. everything about it. the music, the vibe, the dolliness of it all. The, the, everything about this movie just made me feel very Christmas. I felt very ready for Christmas. I felt like I had had a big Thanksgiving meal. I was ready to kick off the Christmas season. I'm putting up the tree tomorrow, but for right now, I'm just taking a deep breath and relaxing. That's what this movie made me feel like. I love it. I am going to give this one eight jingle bells. This one brings me all the warm and fuzzies that I want. And it and it also really kicks that part of me that is like anything can happen at Christmas. Yeah. Absolutely anything. You can be a woman, you know, trapped in this difficult career situation and you can end up with seven kids and Mountain Dan at the end of a weekend. And like that's miraculous you know so i i just thought that this was very sweet and man if you do not turn this on and serve apple pie what is wrong with you don't poison the apple pie though hey do what you want but i'm just telling you i think if you don't serve it with apple pie you're messing up by the way i love that dolly that what a total fairy tale ending that she's able to like mind F the witch into eating her own pie. Oh my God. I know that was so good. It was, I, was so good. So, I literally wrote like she tricked her into eating her own pie, and, but <laughs> she tricked her in the way, in the way that a fairy tale would resolve though. Yeah. And, and in a way that she didn't actually hurt her, she didn't resort to being violent to the witch or anything. She just, it was just a taste of her own medicine. She just used her Dolly charisma yeah. And like, she's like, what's your recipe? Like, this it's is so, so good. Yummy. My, my, fi- <laughs> my, for my final act before you kill me, this is so yummy. I got to have some more of that pie. Uh-huh. So good. So love good. It. Love Y'all, it. Love get it. more Dolly Parton in your life. That's what I'm telling you. I was thinking, you know, of, of, Playing that game of like, who would you want to eat dinner with? Henry Winkler and Dolly Parton would be two of the best dinner guests you could ever have. Think of and the that's stories. that's what this movie really was. 
And Mountain know? Dan, obviously. <laughs> obviously Mountain Dan. Not Lee Majors, Mountain Dan. <laughs> I don't care about Lee Majors, but Mountain Dan. <laughs> this is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and all of Pod Club House's podcasts at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic so that we don't have to try and trick you eating into eating and poisoned apple pie. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.